0: Bye. taking the time after setting up your christmas lights to come in and listen horror hounds and killer kittens to this crazy episode i hope you set out some newspapers and are wearing your raincoat because this is going to be a splatter fest my name is rob basercha
1: i'm devin shepherd
0: and i'm david b jacobs and we are cadaver dogs so uh before we get started i gotta plug our social media account we are cadaver dogs pod so please everyone share with your friends go check us out comment on our videos and maybe we'll talk about some of the movies that you guys like the most we, we're very active, and, uh, you know, we're pretty cool people. I like to think so. Well, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David had an amazing Halloween.
1: <laughs> Fuck yeah.
0: <laughs> By the way, Decky's outfit was scary as hell.
1: Oh <laughs> my god. Rob's wife dressed up as the grudge, and, right? It was the grudge?
2: It was supposed to be the grudge, and then Rob just started telling everyone it was the ring. Hey, she looked more uh, like the ring girl to me,
0: but yeah.
1: But it matched your outfit, because you were the little boy.
0: I was a the little grudge. boy from The Grudge. Yeah. yeah. Which just looked like a half-assed Halloween costume. It didn't really look like much. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little mm. bit. It looks like uh, Miguel from Coco. Yeah.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> right. So our first film is slightly a blast from the past, not too long ago, considering where we usually go in this podcast. And uh, telling us about it is Devin Shepard.
1: His name is Patrick Bateman. He's 27 years old. He believes in taking care of himself and a balanced diet and a rigorous exercise routine. He can do 1,000 crunches now. There's an idea of Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real Patrick, only an entity, something illusory. And though you can shake his hand and feel flesh gripping yours, he simply is. He simply is a yuppie. In the 1980s, Patrick Bateman is the ideal American man. He's rich, fit, handsome, works on Wall Street, dates the perfect woman, has sex with the perfect mistress, and murders strays cats by putting them into the ATM machines. American Psycho is a look at the life of Patrick as he struggles to keep his rage and desire for murder in check. Spoiler alert, he doesn't and ends up murdering many women, sex workers, a homeless man, friends, and work enemies, all while trying to remain the perfect specimen. This is American Psycho, directed by Mary Heron.
2: I'm super excited to talk about the Reaganomics here, but first off...
1: Of course! Yeah,
2: of course. I mean, this is me we're talking about. I mean, you're playing right in my strengths here. Mm-hmm.
1: Is this not a Cadaver Dogs <laughs> episode if we don't mention Ronald Reagan? <laughs> every
2: episode, every episode.
1: But
0: that, you know, honestly, that's in my next year Halloween costume. Definitely, I'm going to be Ronald Reagan, yeah.
1: Oh, that would
2: be good. <laughs> i be Ronald, Ronald Reagan next year. He'll be the scariest costume ever. So... Before we get into that, though, I do want to ask, this movie has a kind of ambiguous ending where it implies that what happened may not have happened. A large portion of it, or all of it even, may have been in his head. Where do you guys fall on that debate? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's all in his head? Do you think it's somewhere in between?
0: Oh, it's all in his head, obviously. Yeah. Actually, uh, the director even said that she wished she made it more ambiguous. Because it was like too clear that it was all in his head. I mean, at the end, his secretary goes and finds his notebook where he was fantasizing about all this stuff. And then Paul Allen is alive. He was is never he? missing. Yeah, Paul Allen was alive at the end. He never killed Paul Allen.
1: That's Wait, did why- I miss that?
0: Yeah, his lawyer, who mistaken uh, Patrick Bateman for someone else, was like, I just had lunch with Paul Allen. What, what do you mean?
1: Oh, but that's his lawyer saying that. We don't actually see Paul Allen.
0: Yeah, I mean... I feel like the idea was to make it ambiguous and that's why that was there. But then at the end, Bateman is like even commenting on how he wishes he could do this stuff, but he doesn't actually mm-hmm. do it. And plus the ending with the feed cat to the ATM and all this other stuff happened. That was obviously like a a fever dream. That wasn't a
1: reality. See, I'm somewhere on the in-between. I feel like the real fever dreamy stuff, like the cat, doesn't happen until after he murders Is it it Christy that all that stuff happens? Yeah, he starts to go like really haywire. So I feel like what I read this time was that I think he killed Paul Allen, but not any of the women. And I mean, like for a huge part of that, and I really respect Mary Heron's choice here, is because we don't ever see him actually killing the women on screen. We only see him Mm. killing the homeless man. Mm.
0: Uh, The homeless man. He does drop a it. chainsaw on a girl, we do see that. But we
1: don't we don't see it happen. We see the shot of him about to drop the chainsaw, dropping the chainsaw, and then the aftercut of like the image of her with the chainsaw in it, but we don't see like it actually happen. I don't even think we really well, hear it happen. Well they don't they don't show we any of the real it.
0: real deaths. Like we don't even see him kill Paul Allen. We just see this blood splattering s- on his face.
2: Then we don't even right. see the body. And to be fair with the chainsaw death, it should also be pointed out that the physics of that, like, don't, don't, don't make sense. Yeah, that's um. fucking
1: impossible. <laughs> what, to, to drop
2: a chainsaw on somebody?
1: So, well, the, to aim like that. Oh, into, yeah, like, it step, wouldn't, that, it yeah. wouldn't
2: work. I also don't think that would actually cut into her the way it would, because it's a moving blade, so it would, like, push itself out. It would slash her. It would probably, it might even still be lethal, but it wouldn't embed itself inside of her. I don't think I don't know. Right. Um I don't we know. Do a mythbusters I... of it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we, we should we should do a <laughs> mythbusters. Yeah, let's yeah. definitely try it out. <laughs> That's actually
0: funny because the next movie there is a Mythbusters about a falling object. But in this one, I think we gotta do the chainsaw.
2: So <laughs> what I think the first time I watched this movie I was one hundred percent on the obviously this all in his head train because mm. uh I agree with Mary Harron that I think that the way it's shot and written doesn't draw enough attention to the ambiguity Mm -hmm. but having heard enough about it and watching it again that ambiguity is all there Mm -hmm. i mean you're talking about the the lawyer says oh i just had lunch with paul allen last week but in this conversation he doesn't even realize he's talking to patrick bateman Mm -hmm. he's like oh davis you That was you pretending to be Patrick Bateman. Mm. That was a mistake because Bateman's too much of a dork to do all of this. And Patrick's Mm -hmm. like, no, I am Patrick Bateman. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And the first conversation in the movie, the very first thing that happens is that they're all having a conversation... Where they're trying to figure out if that's Paul Allen sitting over there or not.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and when Paul Allen, supposedly in London, and the de- the detective says, oh yeah, someone saw Paul Allen last week, except we realized it's not him, it's some other guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: This keeps happening throughout the movie. All of the yuppies mistake each other for other different yuppies. They can't tell each other apart uh, because they're so self-centered and absorbed in their own lives i don't none of them really care about any of the people around them they're also similar they're
0: pretty much interchangeable but the other thing is like okay if we decide that he only killed paul allen and not the women that makes sense because tenants have moved into paul allen's old apartment and apparently not noticed the dozen dead bodies in there
2: i think he definitely killed at least some of the women there there's definitely a point of it where uh Okay, part of it is also that I like the interpreting more of it to be real than not real because I just think it's more interesting that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's less interesting if it's all in his head, even though, yes, parts of it, like the Feed Me a Stray Cat scene, are clearly in his head. He did not have Mm -hmm. a shootout with the police. That's in his head. Uh, (laughs) But the scene in the apartment, which is, you, you generally read this as it's all in his head because none of the stuff that's in this apartment is there. But his conversation with the realtor in there is that she understands, she sees oh, him, and so she's good. like, "Oh, you, you should leave now." Like, it, there's it. She does not react the way that she would if there's some weird person just walking around the apartment where she'd be like, "Who the fuck are you?" She just looks at him. And she's like, "You're responsible for all that stuff I cleaned up." You should, you should just leave. I'm I don't know. This. I think yeah. I think
1: it's perfect acting because I read it. I, I was trying. I rewatched that scene a couple times and I was trying to figure out, okay, which one are they leaning here? And I think they do a really good job of like being really ambiguous with, okay, she could just be a realtor that's freaked out by this dude or she could be someone on the inside. Yeah. I don't know. It was so good. My So my biggest thing with why I think he killed Paul Allen though, Paul Allen was the only one that he had a motive to kill, even though it was a ridiculous mm-hmm. motive. Everything else from there on out was just whatever he was feeling. But Paul Allen was really like, he wanted to kill Paul Allen.
0: Yeah, yeah, he hated Paul Allen for his business cards and getting into Darcia. Dorcia. Dorcia.
2: I'm going to call it Darcia every time. Even in my notes, (laughs) I wrote it wrong. Dorcia. And I understand that's also a change from the book that in the book, he didn't really have a motive to kill Paul Allen, Paul Owen in the book, but... Mary Harron added that into the business card scene, which is so fucking funny.
1: <laughs> oh my god, that scene. Okay, so what I'm still trying to figure out too is so Patrick Bateman is very, very adamant about fitting in. He wants to fit in, he wants to be normal, but he also wants to be the best. Mm. I'm interested in hearing your eyes' thought about that. Is like, does his Strive to be the best, still fit in with his strive to just being normal. Mm.
0: Well, I think it talks to the whole paradox of 80s exits and like materialism, because the idea is that you're supposed to be the best, you're the center of all the attention, you're supposed to accumulate all this wealth. But we also, in us as humans, have this need for socialization. So it's a bunch of like minded, Mm. self centered egomaniacs all trying to fit in with one another. So it's kind of an impossibility and that's why these ideas about materialism are kind of toxic and i think that's one of the central ideas of the film is that you're going to force yourself to hate humanity if you try to create this image of yourself where you're cutthroat and it's dog eat dog but at the same time you need to fit in with other people so it's it's very interesting when he's talking to reese witherspoon in the back of the car and he's trying to listen to his headphones and he's like ignoring her but he needs to be with her and he's like i'm trying to fit in while i'm ignoring the person next to me Mm. and i think a lot of the movie is about this like push pull of like two magnets that that can't touch each other you know it's supposed to be opposite poles but there's always that pressure so he'll never truly fit in as long as he maintains this persona within this society
1: Right, because he's not being himself, he's being a fake person. And how can you fit in with people when you're not a person? Like he says, in the very beginning, he's an entity, right? But even if his own self is an
0: egomaniac and a narcissist, those kinds of people who are trying to get over on everyone else, it's impossible for them to empathize with one another. So even if you're that type of person, you are barred from
2: the empathy that you crave. Exactly. And because of that, I think that fitting in and being better than everyone else are kind of the same thing in the world that he's in. That he, he is in this high society world where everyone is striving to be better than everyone else. And everything is just like that business card scene where it's just a dick measuring contest to see who can be uh, mm-hmm. higher class, more privileged, get more things out of life. It's all about just one-upping each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, That is fitting in.
1: But I do really like what you were saying, Rob, about the the humanistic part, because I think something that stood out to me this time around, because I knew we were going to talk about, you know, if everything was in his head, he several times throughout the movie tells people what he's feeling or that, you know, he wants to kill them or that he's like having maniacal Mm. thoughts and murderous Mm. thoughts. And it's so interesting to look at that as either this is all in his head and he's not actually saying that, or he is actually saying that and everyone's just ignoring it because no one can look at the humanistic qualities and everyone is just an object like you were saying, Rob.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's uh, yeah. at least two scenes that I can think of at the top of my head where he explicitly conveys what the type of person he is. And it's when he's yelling, "I'm into murders and executions instead of mergers and, uh, <laughs> acquisitions. and acquisitions, mergers and acquisitions." Yeah, which is really funny. And that one, like, y- you know, there's plausible deniability because the music's super loud, and they're talking about mergers, mm-hmm. exec- right? Uh, acquisitions. So that is what they uh, work in, actually. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but no one, no one knows anything about their actual business. They all just yeah. talk about personas.
1: right and like uh, anyone's actually heard of pierce and pierce pierce and pierce have you heard of it who knows these businesses on wall street (laughs) i don't don't know
0: but uh there's also the part where he's talking about ed gain and Mm -hmm. um that's when people actually listen to him and they're like oh you fucking weirdo
1: oh he also mentions ted bundy he does the commonality between ed gain and ted bundy is that they're both women killers
2: yes yes The Ed Gein one, though, is especially interesting to me because there's a point in the movie where he's watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or he's doing crunches to Texas Chainsaw (laughs) Massacre, and it's a scene of Leatherface uh, flaunting his uh, chainsaw around like a massive dick and dancing. But it's funny because Leatherface famously is at least partially based on Ed Gein. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely done crunches to Texas Chainsaw Massacre before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what what I was saying is that... uh, you know, this idea of fitting in, he, he's a weirdo, but then also societal pressures and like the conformity of all the members are to push people away one, whenever they try to close the gap of empathy, right? Whenever they, they mm-hmm. try to have any kind of like intimate relation with one another. And his strangeness, I think the movie and the book itself is trying to speak to the underlying bloodthirsty nature of capitalist society and
2: consumerism in the 80s. Oh, for sure. Do you guys think that Patrick is the only character in this movie who's a killer?
1: Uh, like a killer, like hey, killer, like they use throughout no. the entire film, or
2: <laughs> like, do you think he's the only one who has this uh secret murderous rampage going on behind closed doors?
1: That's that's a really interesting question. I don't know. Josh Lucas's character is pretty much a dickhead, and <laughs> maybe he's killed somebody. Justin Theroux's character, I could see killing somebody. I mean, I don't know how many fucking eighties yuppies. He actually killed somebody.
2: Well, Donald Trump. <laughs> um, so the line that made me think of this, that other characters might be killers, is actually Paul Allen. He
1: mm-hmm.
2: says, uh, I'd love to tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. And the way he says it, it, it feels very similar to when Patrick is admitting his killings to others and they just brush it off. And I'm Oh, just interesting. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Paul Allen is also a killer. He is played by Jared Leto, which helps back that up.
1: And they do ask him, yeah, I mean, in in that moment that you explained, David, the question is, how did you get that account? And it's, you know, Paul Allen is always like one step ahead of everybody and has, you know, reservations at Dorsia and has a better this and has a better that, but he's still just like everybody else. And everyone has the same job. My favorite thing is during the business card scene. They all say vice president. No one has a different really? role at that company. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, fucking fantastic.
2: That is really How
1: funny. does Paul Allen, yeah, how does Paul Allen stand out? Maybe because he danced with the devil and murdered somebody else. Mm. Maybe he murdered Davis.
0: I, I mm. just, I I think it's an interesting fan fiction. I don't think there's any basis for it in the movie. Oh, no. Uh, but, <laughs> I like, Paul Allen's a great character because he's the one that they're all jealous of and Bateman being the most jealous of all of them. That's the guy, obviously, he wants to off. And it's really funny because they all look so much alike. They do. Christian Bale and Paul Allen look like inner fucking changeable in this movie. They have the same haircut almost exactly. They wear the same types of suits. It's so funny.
1: Everyone looks similar except for Lewis. Can we talk about Lewis? Mm. Um, Lewis is the guy who is engaged to Patrick Bateman's Mistress. Oh yeah, yeah. And okay. Who is very obviously in love with Patrick Bateman. Mm.
2: And by obviously, you mean he professes his love for Patrick Bateman during the movie. Yes.
1: yes, yes, and they but they do do a good job of setting it up. I think he touches him a lot throughout the film, and like uh, there's a part during the I think it's at the end of the business card scene where he goes are you okay, Patrick? And like, looks so sad. And it's just like, it's the only time in the whole film that yeah. someone asks if the other person's okay, mm-hmm. you know? And the only time someone else cares about another person's feelings. Mm-hmm. I feel like
2: this movie has a really weird relationship with homosexuality. Mm. I, I mean, it, they bring it up a few times. And I mean, it is set in the 80s, which is an extremely homophobic error. And obviously, they're all uh, into Reaganomics, and Reagan is not a great icon for an LGBTQ community. But also, like, the scene with Lewis feels very early 2000s in the way that mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's this character who's been secretly gay all along, and now he's going to profess his love for the main character. Like, I feel like that happens in every early 2000s movie. Um, and it doesn't actually say anything about that. I, I'm, I'm not sure what it's trying to say.
1: So I'm curious if you guys read Patrick Bateman as closeted and I have reasons yes. why I, I do. Okay. Mm. Rob, did you? <laughs> uh, I
0: mean, he's like narcissistic and I feel like he's almost more sexually attracted to himself than other people. And there's just like Fair. there's so much yeah. like homoeroticism in it. Like when he's having the threesome and he's looking at himself in the mirror. So I, yeah. I think that right. you're more likely to say that he's self sexually motivated than like homosexually motivated. Um, That's He also, very fair. He also yeah. when he kills men, there there's no sexual component to it. It's all pure jealousy and blood rage. So I don't I don't
2: read him True. as closeted at all. I don't really see.
0: May, maybe I miss something.
2: He does say that when he kills Paul Allen, he does say that he enjoyed it. I I think you can actually read that as uh somewhat sexual i I mean it's a release yeah
1: right and it's very interesting yeah i guess usually when we look at things from the early 2000s uh we don't talk about the other spectrum of queerness um but i think you're totally right rob that it doesn't necessarily mean that he's gay i think it just means that he's not maybe cis straight, man. It, yeah. Like there's there's something else that's different, and that's definitely how I read him. One reason, uh, so Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote the original novel, and we can talk about how much this is different from the original book, and how much Brett Easton Ellis Ellis actually hates this movie. But something that Ellis talked about is how he sort of based patrick on his experiences in the 80s and he is a gay man and he was talking about how much he doesn't fit in and i think that shows a lot in patrick bateman's characters that even though he's trying really hard to fit in he still doesn't quite but Mm. maybe that's because we see more of his um of his true self through his his voiceover etc and then actually i do want to go back to what i was saying earlier Things don't get really fantastical and crazy. It's not after he t- kills Christy. It's after Lewis approaches him in the bathroom mm. that things mm. start to really go haywire. And I was like, "Oh, mm. that's the pivotal point where Patrick notices something that's different and like really pushes him into this this rage." This mm. um. And really starts to like lose his mind a little bit
0: right so yes. let me uh let me go into and, and say oh you guys are kind of winning me over on this argument a little bit and kind of like fuel it i'm not sure if i'm 100 with you now but if we go back to a previous movie which we talked about the screw fly solution which i love and david hates th- <laughs> there's this idea of like sexual confusion between like sexual violence and sexuality and if patrick bateman is seen as his character trying to imitate others then perhaps he's taking on the persona of like Uh, masculine aggression rather than the sexual uh, persona which like a straight heterosexual man should healthily be using when engaging with women and that's why his interactions with women are so self-centered and so violently motivated it's because Mm, yeah he's not sexually aroused in the traditional way he's just imitating the aggressive violence that he sees in hyper
2: masculinity which this whole movie's about so i think that that might be a really nuanced reading of the movie I think it's also worth noting that he does not kill Lewis, who he was about to kill, but Lewis coming onto him freaks him out so much that he doesn't kill. The no. thing that first ticked my brain into seeing this reading, though, was actually that uh, when he's talking to Kimball, the detective William Defoe's character, about Paul Allen, uh, he says, I think he was probably a closet homosexual who did a lot of cocaine. And then when, like, the very next scene after this... Patrick Bateman uh, goes and uses Paul's apartment and pretends to be Paul Allen, uses his name, takes on his identity.
1: Mm. Uh, That's so interesting. And they also go to this club and do a lot of coke in it. And the club looks very gay. Does it? (laughs) It looks like a gay club.
2: Here's my problem with this reading is that I kind of feel like this reading is really homophobic. Not like Mm. having the reading is, but like it implies that the movie is. Because to me, what this is saying is that Patrick's repression of his homosexuality is leading him to killing people and lashing out and murdering, and that's... Obviously not how that works.
1: But isn't that more a commentary on society that is causing us to not come out and not be our true selves? That it's like more blaming society for these serial killers rather than blaming homosexuality in the first place?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I also think that uh, it, it's almost explicit that Patrick Bateman is, is a side effect of society. Like in, the first In the first few minutes of the movie, he's yeah. describing himself as an entity and not like a, a free agent actually making decisions with real autonomy or any kind of volition, right? right? So I so think, I I, I yeah. don't read it as homophobic. And I think if you do read it as homophobic, it's equally as sexist. And I don't read it as either because I, I think his reaction to it and the imitation of this hyper-masculinity is critique on the hyper-masculinity or the toxic masculinity, if you will, of the 80s and of the time and of this lifestyle rather than glorifying it. Although, if you want to, there is kind of a problem of like hero worship in this movie. Uh, there are clothing lines based on Patrick Bateman. When I was in college, I was at a bar and there was a guy, and I'm like, "You're dressed like Patrick Bateman," and he goes, "I know," and he put his gloves on, and I was oh, like, that's "Oh, what you meant by that. oh my god!" Yeah, yeah, he wasn't a. I don't How think he funny was a is when he washes
2: his hands with his gloves are still on. yeah 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 there's just like this this total um
0: disgust with with homosexuality in that scene but then if you read it as a being closeted homosexual then it's pretty interesting right there's a lot of self-disgust because he obviously hates himself i think at the end he even says he hates himself he hates everyone else he doesn't like anything because this this materialistic identity just strips you of all human interaction all autonomy And it Mm -hmm. it forces you to treat women in particular as objects and men as competitors. There's no friends. He has no friends. He has no one to rely on. Um, Even when he breaks up with Reese Witherspoon, which is probably the best scene of the movie. There's a lot of best scenes in the movie. But, (laughs) But when he says, you're not terribly important to me. And she starts crying, which is just so funny. And that's right after she says, oh, shut up, Bateman. Your friends are my friends and my friends are your friends. He goes, I've thought about that. You can have them. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it, she keeps rejecting his feelings until eventually she's like, oh, wait, you're serious. Like, you have feelings about this. That means it's real.
0: So can I ask you guys a question? And, and I think you can comment directly on Reese Witherspoon with this question. So we covered homosexuality, but the, the, the bigger controversy surrounding this film is, is whether or not it's sexist or if it's a feminist film. And I watch it as feminist.
1: 1,000%. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's
2: feminist. I don't know oh, if the book yeah. is, but I haven't read the book, so I can't comment on that.
1: Well, and I this is the big controversy between Ellis and Mary Heron's version, because Ellis hates this movie because it's a dark comedy. The book is not a comedy. And I've been reading a lot of articles about this now, and what people see so much about this is that because Mary Heron and the screenwriter Genevieve Turner made this a comedy, it's more of like pointing out the flaws in male society, the toxic masculinity, and being like, you guys are fucked up. Like, look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. The, like, let's laugh at this. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alice didn't see it that way. And he gets really angry that it is pretty much a feminist movie.
2: <laughs> but it's interesting because this also kind of contradicts what Rob was saying. And I kind of agree with Rob on this, that one of those articles you sent compares it to Wolf of Wall Street and Wall Street and says how in those movies there are people who still worship Jordan Belfort and uh-huh. uh, Gordon oh, Gecko. Yeah. But you can't make that mistake, Patrick Bateman. It's too obvious that people are that you're meant to be laughing at him. But people still worship him. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and (laughs) that's that's the issue. Is like people just like some people just don't get it. I think people just like didn't see it that way. This is my issue. I see it a lot with Mad Men. People worship Don Draper, and I'm like, at no point during that series are you supposed to like or worship Don Draper. Mm -hmm. He is not a good person.
2: Mm. Well, they did I it mean, with Walter White as well, though I suppose with yeah. Walter White, you were supposed to sympathize with him in the beginning, just not as it mm. keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> so so I wonder, I haven't
0: read the book, but uh, I've heard a lot about it and I bought it recently. I plan on reading it soon. Um, one of the biggest differences is they took most of the graphic violence out of the movie. Because the mm-hmm. book is extremely graphic. He uh, puts a rat inside a girl. He does like awful things. Oh. Yeah, that, that's one. That's the main one they're always talking about. I know, because my grandmother had read it, and she was yelling at me one day, that's an awful, awful book. And I was like, well, I like the movie. And she's like, ah, you're disgusting, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Ted, too, which is so funny. <laughs> and she told me about that.
2: Yeah, I heard about that in I, high school.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder if the message isn't similar in the book and the movie, but... The author is just upset that he feels almost like you're making fun of his personal experience. And he's just, he's very I think he's so. very close
2: to the source material.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of how I saw it.
2: Didn't Ellis also say that women can't direct movies?
1: He was so angry about Mary Heron's depiction of this film that he just said, I don't think women can direct movies. And like still holds to it this day. Except for, I think he tweeted the other day, not the other day. He tweeted something that was like, no women can direct movies except maybe Sofia Coppola. Except maybe... So and so, and like.
2: Andrea Arnold, then it, he really likes Fish Tank.
1: Oh my god! But then he keeps saying, "But like women don't have the sensibility that men do." It. it uh, we'll, he said I'm gonna that, have to find this whole quote because it's awful. Yeah. It's absolutely awful.
2: He said that women can't have the male gaze, and you need the male gaze to direct movies, which is like, really stupid but why would why do you need the male gaze in movies (laughs) it doesn't make sense i hate him i think that ellis is saying that because he's responding to uh decades and decades of the male gaze dominating movies that he can't see an alternative to that and then he 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 says something like oh well uh how do you explain away like like all the great directors are men and it's like that's because that's who was allowed to direct movies
1: well, exactly. He just doesn't get the, he doesn't get what is wrong about what he is saying. He's like, yeah, women haven't directed as many movies. You you can't properly judge it. Like, oh my God. It it's angers like, me so it's much. a
2: comment so stupid that it's not even worth arguing against because it's just yeah. absurdly stupid of a comment. I yeah, know. you're right. I
1: hate him. He's yeah. dumb. How dare he say that? Let's move the fuck on.
2: Yeah, and, and
0: plus, there's just it's so easy to argue against because there's just such a plethora of like good films directed by women. I mean, for one, The Hurt Locker, great. Zero Dark Thirty, awesome. This he does like Captain awesome. Bigelow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fucking <laughs> oh, right? Ra- the, you got Raw, you got Titan. I mean, the, it's an endless list of fantastic films directed by female directors. And uh, yeah, we should just be harder on bad movies than based on who directs them. Yeah. yeah stop making bad movies let more people make good movies and if their movies suck you should say they suck
1: yeah agreed yeah let's take a break right here to hear a word from our sponsor
2: okay pups i'm excited to move on to our next movie but first i'd like to ask you once again to follow us on instagram and twitter at cadaver dogs pod And while you're at it, if you're enjoying the show, the best way to help us grow is by tweeting about us or otherwise sharing us with your friends. Lastly, if you have a podcast or a horror-related product you'd like to promote in this space right here, shoot us an email at cadaverdogspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, pups.
0: Thanks for sticking around for a second film. David B. Jacobs is going to give us the
2: rundown. You better watch out. You better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why I'm gonna spoil the fuck out of this movie uh, Seriously, I know we always spoil movies, but this one, 2017's Better Watch Out, directed by Chris Packover Has some serious twists that are fun to Cover Yourself So Ashley is a teenage babysitter looking after a 13-year-old kid in a nice, safe suburban neighborhood You see where this is going The kid, Luke, is a nice, innocent little brat with a kind of weird and bordering inappropriate crush on his babysitter. Let's move past that. There's an invader outside. Could it be Luke's parents? No, I'm fucking with you. It's Luke. It's Luke himself. With the help of his friend Garrett, Luke has graduated from brat to psycho, tying Ashley to a chair as he psychologically abuses her, murders her exes, and not even in a bizarre attempt to be with her. See, he's already planned unframing Ashley's ex Jeremy for the murders, including her own. He even kills Garrett for trying to help Ashley. Seriously, this kid is scary. Just as his parents arrive home to find Luke tucked away in bed where he allegedly slept through the whole massacre, we hear those fateful words, this one's alive. Someone's getting coal in their stocking this year.
1: (laughs) Uh, So, David, you talked about how this has a big twist. What did you guys think about the twist? Did it? Did you see it coming? Like, Did it work for you?
0: I didn't see it coming at all. I was like, oh my god, when he knocked her down the stairs.
1: Well, you it, better have watched out. I, no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't see that.
0: <laughs> I went in this movie completely blind. I didn't know a single thing about it. I hadn't read anything. That made the viewing experience much, much better. It's. It was really cool when you see Garrett from the closet view and it turns out that he's wearing an overcoat and holding a shock. That was really cool, because then I was like, oh, this movie just turned into something else. Because I, I'd always felt like it wasn't really at that beat of, like, The Strangers or Vacancy, where, like, someone's outside trying to get you. That kind of Well, like The Stranger sucks, thing. but... It, it never really reached that, like, pitch. And I was like, oh, this is always, this is kind of like a silly slasher movie. You know, it has this, like, Home Alone vibe.
2: Yeah, I'm very similar. Um, the This is the second time I watched it. The first time I watched it, I didn't really see the twist coming kind of just because I I didn't give the movie enough credit to have that in it I was more looking at it as like wow Luke really sucks as a kid (laughs) and I kind of hate him and I'm not supposed to hate him but I do and it just felt like a very generic movie and then that twist happened I was like okay i'm in like what's happening this is great (laughs) you you know a a little bit of it um before the
0: twist happened i was like oh she's dealing with a drunk 12 year old that's kind of a novel twist on the formula 12 year old i thought that was kind of neat and then it really went in a much more interesting direction i think
1: it really did because i was seeing so many great reviews about this film and i was like okay i guess i better watch it and i turned it on and i had the same thoughts as david i was like Okay, this is a general invader movie with a babysitter. Mm -hmm. What the fuck does everyone love about it? I guess it's pretty. Mm -hmm. And it has Virginia Madsen and Patrick Warburton. So, plus.
2: For a minute. I mean, Patrick Warburton, he's a great comedic actor in this movie. He doesn't really do anything that's funny, but I still laugh hysterically at everything he does. I'm just like, (laughs) Patrick Warburton's looking at a tree. That's so funny.
1: (gasps) I know. Oh, my God. Okay, so I was reading an interview with the director and- The whole scene with the ornaments, where he and Virginia Madsen are talking about putting ornaments on the tree, and he brings out his ruby red slippers. That's A, that's improvised, and B, those are Patrick Warburton's christmas ornaments he got so excited that he brought to australia all these like ornaments and he wanted them to be in the movie
2: that's amazing oh my god i I love patrick Warburton so much he's like the funniest person ever i love him Uh, all right all
0: right two quick things um i didn't realize they were in australia until after i saw the movie and i read that they were in australia
2: i also didn't realize they were in australia until right now when Devin said that
0: <laughs> does, does anyone even have an Australian accent in the movie? No. No. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah, they no are wonder. Australian sure. actors, though. They are. Yeah. Yeah. The at least the three main, the mm. two kids, and and the lead. I guess not the lead. We can debate that. Um, does the movie but yeah, take place in Australia? Australian? No. So it, it's yeah, right. America, okay. it's supposed to take place in America, and okay. what ended up happening is they were going to shoot it for like half a mil in South Carolina. And then the director, who's actually Canadian, um, and I think his mother is Australian, Mm -hmm. uh, was like, the producer approached him and was like, hey, you can do this for a lot more money in Australia if we do it in Australia. So then they upped the budget to like three mil, I think it was, Mm -hmm. and shot in Australia Mm -hmm. with a whole new cast.
0: I got Funny Games vibes at one point in this movie.
1: Oh, so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The two kids with her tied up and crying. And them just doing awful things and like, you're like, oh, how far is this going to go? And it just, the horror keeps stacking. Gave me this idea of like funny games. And maybe that speaks to like this idea of privilege. Mm. Where, you know, we see this kid who's well off. And it seems like he's just abusing his, the power he has by virtue of being his ontology. Which yeah. is similar to Pastor Bateman. He knows he can get away with this thing, so he just does it for the sake of doing it. You know, this sociopathy yeah. that's that's only, you know, the opportunities is presented to
2: itself via his position in society. He's this little brat who's never been told no.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, it was neat because I think the actor is great. I think the kid's fantastic. In the yeah.
1: Oh, the kid who plays Luke is phenomenal. Yeah. He's amazing. I, I
0: also like the kid who plays Garrett a lot. I thought he did very well. Mm-hmm. All the actors are yeah. great yeah great yeah actually who's not the best probably the one boyfriend who gets hung he's like very generic
1: oh Dermot. oh how do you say his name Decker montgomery the guy from stranger things yeah he's from stranger (laughs) things
0: yeah Yeah, he was apparently a real pain in the ass on set too because he couldn't do any stunts by a contract yeah he he was tied into either stranger things or another much bigger movie so they're like he cannot be hurt and like his schedule was very strict it's a dangerous stunt
2: that's
1: fine
0: I mean, maybe well, it's <laughs> a dangerous stunt. I don't know, but
1: meanwhile, I, Olivia, who plays yeah. Ashley, did a lot of her own stunts. <laughs> yeah, <it was> great. <laughs> she she's terrified of spiders, and mm. they oh like didn't have enough money to make CGI spiders. She she came up with it. She was like. Well, if we can, why don't we just use real ones? And the director's like, Holy fucking shit. What? Yeah. <laughs> You're like terrified.
0: One of my favorite movies just shoots bugs and maggots all over a woman's face. So, I mean, like, I can't say that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys ever see Fuck. The Gates of Hell? Yeah. I mean, I oh, that one. I'm going to make you guys watch it. There's Lucio Folgi. She opens the curtain and just maggots and disgusting oh. shit just spray all over her face for like a minute. It's so oh, no. gross. It's like thousands of maggots.
1: Okay. Well, so uh anyway, I'm curious. I'm not gonna say my opinion yet, but I'm curious I know this movie is very blatantly talking about toxic masculinity. So it very much focuses on the male characters. Um it's obviously from Luke's point of view, the male character's point of view. It's interesting because mm. it is a movie it's a sexual assault movie. But it's not from the point of view of the victim, I would I would argue.
2: Mm. I disagree. I think it's a shared perspective. I mean, it, it is largely from his perspective, but you also are very much on her side and you're, you definitely see her perspective a lot. Mm. Uh, she's tied up, so there's not a lot she can do, but she makes a lot of use of her situation. She is not a dumb protagonist at all. She is fucking smart as shit and really resourceful. And even when she's tied to a chair, she figures out how to, like, she fucking hides a bloodstream from him. Like, how does she do that? She's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, the actions were cool, but I just, I I don't like how her character was written. I don't think it's a strong female character. I don't think they really give her a lot to do. Like, yeah, maybe, like, her trying to get away, but I think that's just what any character would do in that situation she doesn't change she doesn't learn she's incredibly weak throughout the entire film like and and in the beginning my other thing about the point of view too is like in the beginning i actually like started wondering wait is she like going to let this kid think that he can have a crush on her she's like almost flirting with him
0: Mm. well i mean having had babysitters in the past they used to do that shit with my brother um, it's very common for older women to flirt with young, young boys. Super but we common. don't
1: we don't give her a reason to like why the like why would she be doing well, that? I, I mean,
0: I, I get it, but you know it's it's slightly inappropriate, but societally, especially outside of the U.S., it is extremely common.
1: But it's, why it's would kind the character of, it's a very in the movie that wh- it's
0: kind of like taboo here?
1: Sure. Yeah. But so why would the, no, why, where's no, the, no, the reasoning no. she, of the character in the film to do this? There's no characterization. She imagine. doesn't
2: understand. Like she she'm sure she knows she has a little bit of a crush on her, but I don't yeah. think that she realizes how actual and how much she is willing to go through with it. Oh, She's totally. more just like a babysitter saying like, "Oh yeah, you're cute." Like just l- giving him confidence, uh-huh. helping him so he'll be able to talk to girls. She doesn't think he's actually going to make a move on her. Yeah,
1: subduing to a twelve-year-old boy's like what he wants. He tries to kiss her, and she still lets him put his head on her shoulder. Like what? While
2: they're trying to get killed, you mean? I mean, while they're no, 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 trying to get killed. No, No. No, he
1: tries to kill her during the whole beginning. He he tries to kiss her, and then yeah.
2: And then and immediately then she's like, the intruder oh, part takes over. Stop
1: you! No, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, and she's like, "Oh, you, you're yeah. so silly, you're so cute, ha ha ha!" And like, no. he'll no, he no, like cuddles up next to her.
0: That, that he does sh- happen. She
1: shoves him off
0: of her. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of in between. That that does happen in the movie, and she strongly rejects him. But then she feels kind the of kiss, bad because yes. she hurt, she kind of hurt his feelings, so she allows him to put his head on her shoulder because to her there's like this brotherly thing. Because she's been babysitting him for at least four years. She right. says and she's it, known it, since she was eight. So it's been at least four years, probably longer.
1: Right. And it says a lot about like what being a woman is like in this toxic male society. But at the same time, like I don't see her. I don't see her changing by the end. I think this is my biggest issue is like it's not that she becomes stronger mentally or like emotionally. It's just that she survives.
0: Well, like she does, doesn't. Does she survive? There's no
1: arc for her character.
0: She survives. Does she? Because it sounds like the kid's yeah. going to the hospital. Does she survive?
2: Well, there should have been a sequel called uh, Better Not Cry, in which the kid follows her to the hospital a la Halloween too. but we didn't get oh, that's that, great. and now the yeah. kids are too old. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, so that been great because that would have been amazing. And then Patrick Warburton, and Virginia Madsen would have had a bigger role too. Like, I'm very disappointed that we did not get that sequel in the hospital. We should have. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: <laughs> the, well, the actual <laughs>
2: sequel is Funny Games, and that's just the kid growing up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think I think the big difference w- between this movie and funny games, though, is that the killers in funny games don't have a motivation, at least not toward like specifically mm-hmm. geared towards their victims. Whereas this one is all about his relationship with the victim. And he's obviously what what's the right phrase here, David? You looked more in, up into this. Um, um
2: conduct disorder so it wouldn't actually be called psychopathy for a child because uh psychopathy is something that you have to develop so it would only be Mm. it's a term that would only actually apply to an adult Mm -hmm. but he would be considered at very high risk of developing psychopathy i actually did the psychopath test as both patrick bateman and uh this kid and got that both of them are uh in the 99th percentile of psychopath (laughs) yeah
1: yeah that makes sense whereas i am
2: only in the fifth percentile yeah oh the fifth oh i i got like 20
0: i was pretty low what did you get where did you get devin
1: i got 97 (laughs) no you didn't (laughs) really yeah i don't know why why are
2: you telling us that if you're a real psychopath you would just say you're in like the fifth percentile or something well
1: that's (laughs) why I'm so confused. I was, like, answering the questions to um, everything of, like, do you care about other people? I'm like, yeah, totally 100% true. Do you care about other people's feelings? Yes, totally 100% true.
0: Yeah, but then it was also, like, do you steal things from people? Do you you take risks? Do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm also, like... (laughs) Do, and I have a leadership position, so yeah. I also like that's a big question on there, too. Yeah, on.
0: yeah, it was. Um, so, yeah, Devin, you're not allowed over my house. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's it's obvious. It's just that women are evil.
1: That's, oh, great. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. It's well, just obvious. As uh, this know? movie proves, no. Uh, to be uh, clear, they, they psychopathy
2: might... is not actually more common in men or women. It's It's very gender neutral.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, interesting. But it manifests differently in
2: men and women. Male psychopaths tend to be more prone to violence. They're not always violent. That psychopathy mm-hmm. is not always a violence thing. Yeah. Um, but male psychopaths are more likely to be physically violent, whereas mm-hmm. female psychopaths are more likely to be, like, more bullying, more social violence.
1: Talk about the patriarchy, man. That That's a perfect representation.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, so it's very obvious that he has psychopathic tendencies. And yes. they make a point throughout the film to show that he doesn't have remorse which is a big symptom of this yes. mental disability but there is one moment where he shows some remorse and it's when he kills garrett which like that scene still gets me every single mm-hmm. goddamn time he has a second where he like actually feels bad about killing his friend i'm curious your thoughts on that and why they needed I to include that in disagree the, the film. with
2: everything you just said really <laughs> oh, um no. He feels really so, bad
0: for killing Garrett.
2: First off, uh, regarding earlier you mentioned that uh, he has more of a motive than the killers in funny games. I don't think he does. I, I see his motive of wanting to be with Ashley as a complete red herring. He is literally planning on killing her the entire time. Like He mm-hmm. has, he doesn't give yeah. a shit about being with Ashley. It's all a red herring to get Garrett to go along with it. Uh, he just wants to see if he can get away with this. That's mm-hmm. his entire motivation. Mm-hmm. He just wants to see if he can get away with this.
1: Still when he kills
2: Garrett, and he's like, has this breakdown where he's screaming, and it's fucking terrifying, and oh my god, you ate him so much. Um, I love that scene, because psychopaths are not cool, and this kid is not cool. I think this actually does a better job than American Psycho at avoiding the uh, hero worship problem, because I can't imagine anyone actually wanting to be this kid. But, like, he's not upset, He does. he's not remorseful for killing Garrett. He is angry and frustrated that he didn't have as much control over Garrett as he thought he did.
1: Mm, mm. Interesting.
2: He doesn't feel bad about it for a second. He shoots his friend and then like a minute later, just like, eh, you're starting to annoy me anyway. And just goes on and casually goes to sleep. Right. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't give a shit about his friend. Mm.
1: And he does say, look what you made me do.
2: Mm hmm. Well, yeah. I, I think I think this idea of
0: psychopathy is it's important to point out that it is more of like a spectrum. So this idea that like sociopaths have like no feelings towards people is usually not exactly true. They have some. Yep. It's just like muted or diminished in some way. Um, mm-hmm. It's also not yes. like, not the best clinical term. It seems like there's a lot of problems with psychopathy tests and analysis in general.
2: Yeah, I there's also, a lot of disagreement over it. It's not actually in the DSM, but it right, is still right. used by scientists. I also don't think either of these movies
0: are doing a, a really good, like, accurate depiction American of psychopathy. American Psycho is definitely
2: not. American Psycho no. is, like, strictly metaphorical. Patrick Bateman, when I took the test estimate, still obviously said that he was highly psychopathic. But he's not he he is a mixture of various uh stereotypes and tropes associated with psychopathy. He's not a real person. Patrick Bateman is strictly metaphorical. Luke Werner He's a husk, an entity, and he's just a side
0: effect of society. Yes. Yes. Luke
2: Lerner is, I think, very realistic and is at least attempting to be a realistic depiction of what a a child psychopath-to-be would act like and would be like, and I think that the movie is very successful in that, and he he feels real. I believe that this kid exists. Um, Which is
1: terrifying.
2: Yes, it's completely terrifying. This movie, again...
0: It's not scary. It's done with this fun-loving, like, oh, here's an evil home alone
2: vibe. Well, what's scary about it is that it's real. Is that I believe that this kid exists.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I get that too. And that's why it's interesting. It's like, it's scary in theory and in conversation, but not necessarily in practice.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just going off of that, I agree that this is a very hyper-realistic version. And I feel like that's why they had to add so much comedy to it to make it not terrifying and make it more make people able to watch this movie without wanting to throw up and die (laughs)
0: Mm. well i i don't necessarily agree i think uh i I mean i think they do that they do make it a more fun movie um it would be a very different movie if they went in a much more realistic route and like you'd have to completely change everything though because there's a lot of slapstick comedy to you know a paint can smashing a guy's head
2: but it's because I see Luke as more of an honest depiction of psychopathy that I don't see in the movie as being as much about the gender roles. Like, he's not hes not actually motivated by sex at all. Wait, what it's does that have to hair. do
1: with gender roles well, being motivated okay. by sex?
0: I—I All right, so I'm a little confused by his motivation because it seems like towards the end of the movie, he's telling her, you don't know how much it feels like to be rejected by somebody. And then he's also saying he has this, like, edible thing with his mother where he's like, I'm so upset that I'm no longer protected by her. And oh, now, yeah, super now I enter into the world and I have to fend for myself and see how much power I can get or something. So it's I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little confused. So first
2: off, anytime time he says anything, take it with a, a grain of salt. Right. S- psychopaths lie compulsively. Can't take anything he says at face value i literally i i don't even believe that he has a crush on her like Mm.
1: yeah i kind of i think his goal is ultimately what he gets at the end which is to be coddled by his mother when she just holds him in her arms and says my baby i'm so happy you're all right don't worry Mm. i think that is his ultimate goal but it doesn't have to do about sex like mother to son relationship is still a gendered relationship
0: yeah so i wonder i mean is it so much about him wanting to be coddled again or him proving that he can dupe somebody and his mother being the closest to him him literally having come out of her is like that his uh expression of, of complete power that he can do all these horrible things but still maintain the status of her baby
1: I yeah because I don't know because at the end there's like a mid the mid credits um after scene Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's trying to get away with it or just protect himself from like still being seen as good in his mother's eyes Mm. I don't know Mm. get away with it it's 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 it can can be both I think yeah yeah.
2: that he just wants his mother to still see him as good um I mean that is getting away with it yeah yeah, I think but that,
0: like, like I said, I, yeah. I think his mother seeing him as good is is him expressing
2: his power to the utmost. Right. Uh, so Which so I think why it, I think we need it the is sequel all self serving. Where his mother finds out what he's been up to. <laughs> so oh, then he goes reaction.
1: totally off the wall. Better not
2: cry. <laughs> Again, that would be a totally different movie because
0: everything in this movie is done with like a tongue in cheek kind of humor. Yeah, it, it is funny from beginning to end. And is it okay to compare it to American Psycho? Like, wh- which movie do you think is funnier? And do you, there are differences in the type of humor. I feel like American Psycho is this really uh, exaggerated kind of theatrical sense of humor. You know, it's like funny right. that Patrick Bateman is being this very over-the-top character. And Christian Bale has even said that it, he wasn't trying to be realistic with this um, performance. And it's not. Um, I saw Weird. a
2: thing... This this was not from a good source. It was just like some random comment, so I don't know if this is true or not. But allegedly, Christian Bale based his performance off of a uh, Tom Cruise who he saw on the <laughs> talk show and he was just like so taken by how empty Tom Cruise felt that he was like that I'm going to base my performance off of that now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so sad. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I wonder if and I he, he does it so well.
1: <laughs> I do too. I, I do too.
2: It's true. <laughs>
0: that's pretty funny
1: i i enjoy american psycho as a comedy but it's because that's my taste i like Mm. the satirical dark comedy it's my number one type of film i'm not i'm i mean i'm not going to hide this i hate better watch out so i was so angry throughout watching it that i couldn't laugh so Mm. i don't i just i don't find it i i like i i respect the high level of comedy that they're trying to do and there's some one-liners in there that are really great but Mm. i was too angry throughout the film to like really laugh Mm. at it or find it funny
0: i would disagree that it's high level comedy i think it's a lot of it's like slapstick silliness i meant
1: like high energy high energy oh high energy definitely yeah yeah.
0: like when she's running away and uh the uh carolers are there and then she slips and falls that's just funny but it's like
2: snickering funny like oh the humor is very in the vein of home alone yeah i don't think that better watch out is that funny the main humor of it comes from the fact that it's shot like a hallmark movie um Mm -hmm. and it looks like a hallmark movie and it's playing off of those tropes and saying oh but actually this is what life is really like it is not this uh colorful white fence cherry painted world that you you are seeing it as around this christmas Mm -hmm. time it's dark and fucked up and people are cruel it's hard to find a lot of what luke does funny because he is so evil like yeah <laughs> he is so deranged and you like american psycho might be funnier just because it's easier to sympathize with patrick bateman than it is to sympathize with luke i i
0: definitely can't see it more e- easier to sympathize with patrick bateman because luke's character is sympathetic Pretty much until he starts calling the first ex-boyfriend, then you're like, "Oh, this is a kid who's over his no. head. He's doing all this crazy shit." And like I, in the back d- of your mind, you're like, "Wow, he's doing some really fucked up things." But you're like, yeah, "I like you get where the mentality is coming from. Like these are kids who are going too far. They're pushing the button." But then you're like, "Oh, he's actually an evil mastermind." Like,
2: no, uh, I, I mean, like I, I stopped sympathizing him as soon as it got into a uh, rapey territory. I was like, "Okay." I'm, oh, I'm, when, I'm, when he touched her. You boobies? mean in like
1: the first fifteen minutes? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I oh mean, yeah, I actually stopped sympathized with him before we found out he was evil because I thought he was a bratty kid who I hated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I to me, um, he just seemed like a twelve-year-old
0: kid, and I was like, "That's funny." He's like a twelve-year-old kid who thinks he can cop a feel on his babysitter. That's like such a trope. It's so true. I mean, you know, having a brother, do... and just knowing kids, that's what kids do,
1: right? And I do like how they write um, his and Garrett's dialogue too. I yeah. feel like it's very yeah. realistic of a twelve-year-old, and like we're not yeah. going to sugarcoat this. Like y'all think about sex a lot. And I, I yeah, do, do love when they talk about Adventure Time and Mary Fuck Kill Adventure <laughs> Time characters. Because so I'm like, yeah, that that's great, probably actually. exactly what fucking people talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's actually, is. Um, yeah. it's not quite as dirty as I feel like 12 year olds actually were. And um, I kind of, it, it's pretty good. Like, considering the type of movie it is, I think it's done well.
2: The reason that I say Patrick Bateman is sympathetic, I mean, the scene that makes me hate him the most is when he kills the homeless man and his dog that's just terrible and i fucking hate him in that scene but then like he does show remorse he does show like i wish i could control this Mm. and Mm. he even stops himself from killing sometimes there's Mm. a scene with his secretary where his uh girlfriend reese witherspoon calls him just as he's about to kill the secretary and then he he stops and he Mm. doesn't kill her.
0: That's a really funny scene, actually, when he's standing behind it's, her with the nail gun, and then he gets the call from... Well, if, if it was in a different context, it would kind of be an extreme, extremely funny scene that you're trying to make it with your secretary, and she asks you if you're single, and you go, yeah, pretty much, and then your girlfriend calls right then on the answering machine. It's pretty funny. But I read that scene as that actually happened. So, like, in the viewing, if you don't think he killed anybody, then this is him suppressing it and almost killing his secretary. I also think he just doesn't kill anyone in the movie so like him thinking about it is (laughs) yeah that's obviously gonna
2: color your interpretation of the scene um and this scene might even support you in that because it it really it doesn't make sense that he doesn't kill her like it's very it doesn't fit his character it's kind of a dumb scene
0: well no i mean not exactly (laughs) because he's he's smart in covering his tracks so if he killed his secretary he'd probably get caught like me look at it that way. Like when he kills Paul Allen, he has an alibi and he makes it yeah. set up so it looks like he's somewhere else. The other characters he kills are like street women who, you you know, historically are easier to get away with murdering than other people of different sections of society.
2: Which, by the way, psychopaths are also like really impulsive, and mm-hmm. there is a big trope that the psychopath would be like the Lex Luthor kind of, where he can just get away with anything. But Mm. actually, a lot of psychopaths are really bad at getting away with stuff Mm. because they don't think through the consequences of their actions, Mm. which is another thing that I think Better Watch Out gets right. At the end of the movie, it's set up really early on that uh, his mother uses this pencil on the doorknob to uh, find out if he left the room or not. So the final step of his plan, he just has to get the pencil back before he shuts the door. And he thinks he can do that. And apparently he never bothered to test out if he could do this or not. And he finds out (laughs) as she's pulling up in the driveway that he isn't able to get around this one thing. No, that's (laughs) such a good point. I love that scene so much. Like, wow, you seriously, like... You didn't have a plan for this. Your mother's stupid pencil trick is what's going to get you caught. Yeah, and it's so interesting.
1: That whole entire (laughs) sequence... Is an is an interesting elongated scene where the audience is really conflicted because we're watching this kid almost get away with something, and it's like th- this rush of like, are we rooting for him to get away with it, or are we rooting for these people to find him? It's it's a it's a curious choice and direction, mm-hmm. I think.
2: I'm rooting for them to find him. Mm. I was oh, kinda, I mean, yeah. I, I was rooting for him to get away
0: with it. I thought that would be See? A interesting. Ending. See, yeah, not not because I like I I liked his character. I mean, I didn't think he was a good guy, but I liked the character. Yeah. Same with like Patrick Bateman. You like kinda hope he gets away with it. Um I think both oh, do, a, do a really good job of like talking to the impulse control of uh these types of characters because you know, Bateman, the whole plot, if you think that he's not killing people but wants to, is about him having trouble with his impulses. Like the entire thing is like all these suppressed emotions Dealing with this very superficial society, he's having trouble and it causes this internal turmoil, whether it's through closet homosexuality or just lack of human empathy or whatever. And then obviously in Better Watch Out, you know, he does things that he shouldn't do.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, guys, that we're getting close. So this is my favorite part of the show, our bone review section, where we rate each film on a one through four bone rating system with half bones in between. Starting us off this week is Devin Shepard.
1: All right, so we're gonna do American Psycho first. I love this movie. I like every time I watch it, I find new reasons to love it. It's so smart. It's so well done. The performances are insane. It's crazy to me to think that like this was very close to not having Christian Bale in it at all. Um, it's literally a perfect role for him. Everyone else does wonderful. Mary Heron's directing is beautiful. Um, Guinevere Turner's writing is awesome. I love them as a partnership. Especially love Guinevere Turner's cameo as Elizabeth during the second threesome scene. Uh (laughs) fantastic. And I think says so much about the film. Uh, I want to give a big, big, big middle finger up to Brett Easton Ellis, who does not like this movie. Um I think it's great. I think it's a great societal commentary. I think it's really smart comedy. I think it does it in a very tight way where um, it's not too over the top. And I'm going to give it three and a half bones. Nice. Love this movie. Love it, love it, love it. Um, I think that might be one of the highest ratings I've given. It's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Better Watch Out, I feel exactly the opposite. I hate <laughs> this goddamn movie so much. I was really hoping the second time around watching it, I was going to understand why others like it and why so many people are like, cheering this movie on and want to watch it every single year. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, it talks about a lot of things that we should talk about, but I don't think it does it in a good way. I really hate how the female characters are written. I really hate how the female characters are written. Um, I respect the direction. I like uh, what David pointed out earlier that like the comedy comes from it looking like a Hallmark movie. I thought, you know, there were some really, really good moments in there. The acting is really superb. I mean, the child actors are phenomenal and we keep covering such amazing movies with child actors on this on this podcast. But I just I I really can't like it. It it, it, it sends me to a place that makes me really upset because I get so angry about just how they view the world. So I'm going to give it one and a half bones.
2: That's higher than I thought you were going to give it.
1: Yeah, yeah same, I was actually. like, yeah. probably one bone, but... When counting up, you know the things that I do respect about it, I'm going to give it a little bit higher. Okay. Anyway, Rob, what about you?
0: Okay, so uh, I guess we'll start with American Psycho too. Uh, I also love this movie. I've seen it maybe four or five times. Patrick Bateman has become a horror icon, and it's hard to dispute. There's a lot of good reasons for it. I find the comedy like spot on. I find the political com- commentary and societal commentary more insightful each time i watch it the kills are good even though most of them are off screen the performances are fantastic reese witherspoon back and forth with uh christian bale is fantastic and yeah i i think it's near perfect maybe towards the end i usually get a little tired but that could just be me with every movie i'm gonna give it three and a half bones i think if you Mm. haven't seen it you should watch it there's a reason why patrick bateman is on all the collections of horror icon posters he's in all of them for a good reason as for Better Watch Out, uh, I, I did kind of like it. Yeah, I wasn't blown away. The twist definitely got me, though. And I do have to give it credit for that. And I think the movie gets a lot more interesting as it goes on. It's very silly. It doesn't exactly make sense. And uh, it's not bloody at all, which is too bad. I would have liked it if there was a lot more shock value. If it went from this hallmark to like dead or alive territory, where it just got like, hyper-violent. And I think that would have really changed my viewing of it. Plus, I just like hyperviolence. So I'm going to say it's it's okay. I, I'm, I'm on the fence if it's okay or good. So I'm going to lean towards good because the twist was so effective. So it gets two and a half bones for me. Uh,
2: so I'll also start with American Psycho. So uh, I really like American Psycho as well. I think it is great. I love Christian Bell's performance in it. Uh, there are a lot of amazing scenes and brilliant one-liners and it's it's all it's a lot of, it's a very fun movie um i don't like it as much as you guys i do think it's a little bit cold and i i really do agree with mary Harron. i think it's a significant issue that the the ending doesn't work with the ambiguity because i, I don't like the idea that's all in his head, I think that that's extremely boring and it's a lot more interesting if it's not. And I wish that that had been more clear and more apparent in the movie that it is it could actually totally be happening. I love the themes. I love the way it's shot. Mary Heron's direction is beautiful uh, or not beautiful when it doesn't want to be. Um, <laughs> I, I I love how clean everything is. I love the, the shot of his reflection in a Lay Miz poster, which is just... So great and ironic. I'm just going to give it two and a half bones because I do have those issues with it, but I still really like it. Um, It's not something I'm going to rewatch constantly. Better Watch Out, I think, takes not all the same themes, but a lot of them, and does them much more effectively. I like that it's real. I like that it's not strictly a metaphor, that this kid is a real fucking person and it's it 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 is scary to think that people are capable of this but they are and it's scary to see that this can exist within a child because of course it can psychopaths were kids at some point and i i love how it balances off the hallmark vibe i'm giving this one uh three bones i like better watch out better than american psycho i think it's a better movie i actually liked it more on my rewatch than i did the first time because the first time I was really bored for the first half hour, and this time I wasn't because I knew it was coming. Wow. Yeah, I'm giving it three bones. So, all right, that's it for this week, guys. You heard our reviews,
0: our analysis. Uh, let us know if you agree or if you disagree in the comments on our social media accounts. Again, you can find us on Cadaver Dogs Pod. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Shoot us an email at cadaverdogspod at com if you want us to review some of the movies of your choosing. Until next time, killer kittens and horror hounds. Signing out,
2: I'm gonna return some videotapes.